You were here to worship this morning. Great. So let me, uh, before we shared the message this morning, give you a date to make sure you're aware of. Sunday night, February the 21st, that morning will be the last of the series of messages in our worship series out of the Gospel of John on the Great I Am Statement. So that night, on Sunday night, 7 o'clock here in the auditorium on February 21st, we're going to have a night of worship. And we hope that every one of you can be here that night so that we can sort of end our series on worship with a night of worship. So that's Sunday night, February the 21st at 7 p.m. right here in the auditorium. Also, I just want to say a thank you, a big thank you to all those who came out yesterday and helped spruce up our landscaping around the church. It looks beautiful. Thank you all very much for your ministry. Yes. John chapter 7 and 8 this morning. We're going to be in both chapters. So you can find John chapter 7 and verse 8. Today is the third of the I am statements out of the gospel of John. I am the light of the world. You actually find that in John chapter 8 verse 12. That's the verse that contains the the declaration that Jesus gives, I am the light of the world. But before we get to that, we are now far enough along in this worship series to begin to see some patterns developing. And I want to touch on some of those this morning because they set the context, if you will, of why Jesus said what he said, when he said it, and where he said it. God is very strategic about things. He's into the details, and I think you'll see that this morning. The first thing I want us to see is in the context of Jesus saying he's the light of the world, notice in chapter 7, verse 44, what some of them wanted to do to him. They wanted to seize him, and not for nice purposes either, can I say, okay? In fact, we even learn over in chapter 8, verse 20, that no one had seized him yet because his time had not yet come. God's timetable wasn't ready yet for Jesus to be seized because, remember, no one took Jesus' life from him. He laid it down. But I want to point this out because here's Jesus, just like we've seen the last couple of weeks, just simply declaring who he is. Putting himself out there. And at every last turn, he's faced with rejection. Remember the first week when he said, I am? And what did they do? They took up stones to stone him to death. And he passed through their midst. Last week, he said, I am the bread of life. And what was the reaction of many of them? Many of his disciples no longer uh, followed him and did not accompany him any longer. John 6, verse 66. And now you have this, where Jesus is making other statements and sharing who he is, and what do they want to do? They want to grab a hold of him and throw him in prison or maybe throw him in a pit somewhere and do all kinds of terrible things to him. 
Why am I saying that? Well, for one, if you've ever felt rejected or been rejected, Jesus knows exactly how you feel. Because there's never been anyone in history who's been more rejected than Jesus Christ. He's been way more rejected than he has received from human beings since the dawn of time. But the second thing that this reveals to us is this. Why would Jesus keep putting himself out there? Why would he keep making himself vulnerable? You know, you and I, we're so unlike Jesus in the sense that we put ourselves out there and make ourselves vulnerable and we get rejected. We're going back into our shell and we're not putting ourselves out there anymore, right? Because it hurts too much. Why does Jesus continually do that? Because he loves us that much. That's what we have to see today, is the love of God. Why would Jesus continually put himself out there time and time again and yet be rejected? Because he loves all of us unconditionally. And he will continue to put himself out there until the end of time, until there is no more time to either receive him or be rejected. Why? Because of his great love. And when we come and we talk about worship and why we should worship Jesus Christ the way we do and why we should be enthusiastic and energetic, devoted worshipers of God, one of the primary reasons is because of the great love that God has for us. We will never be loved in a greater way by anything or anyone than Jesus and when you and I begin to receive his love and understand his love even a little bit, it should drive us to be lifetime worshipers of Jesus. Because there will never be a time in our life where we will be unloved. And no matter how much God knows about us and he knows everything about us, he still loves us. His love will never run out. And so you see that here. That even though Jesus kept putting himself out there, he kept being rejected. Why did he do it? Because of his love, the love of God. I also want us to see the word of God today in this. Notice in chapter 7, verse 46, in this context here, it says, no one ever spoke like this man did. There was something about the way he spoke, how he spoke, what he said when he spoke, that just set Jesus Christ apart from anyone they ever had heard. So then when you come to chapter 8, verse 12, and it says, Then Jesus spoke out again, I am the light of the world. I want you to look at that word spoke, or even the phrase spoke out. It's significant. It means to bring closure to something. It means to lay a matter to rest. It means that it's been settled because he said it. Now, I realize not everybody accepts or receives the authority of Jesus' word at this time. But what we do learn about Jesus, because he is the great I am, the one who always was, always is, and always will be, the self-existent, self-defined, self-reliant God of the universe, that there is no higher authority than his authority. And when he speaks, it is what it is. Whether mankind receives it or rejects it, he is still the light of the world, whether anyone would have ever received him as the light of the world. 
What man's response or reaction is to Jesus doesn't make it any less true. And because he is the great I am and the one who, when he speaks, has authority above all other authority and power in the universe, one day the Bible does say every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Oh, that when he spoke now, it would settle things. Even in our lives as his people, as his children, that his word would be such that if Jesus said it, that settles it for me. That lays it to rest. I don't need to keep thinking about it or, or dwelling on it or anything else. If his word carried that much authority and sway, oh, how different even the church would be today. Because one day there will be no question that when Jesus speaks, it will be done just as Jesus said it would, just as it has been throughout history. Ever since the dawn of time as we know it, and he created the universe that you and I live in, everything has been done according to the word of God. He spoke. So notice then the context here in verse 20 of chapter 8. Where did Jesus speak the words, I am the light of the world? It says, Jesus spoke these words near the offering box. Some of you who are new to the Oasis wonder, why don't you take up an offering? Well, I've even had people go, we'd like to give to the church, but how do you do that? And that's, that's on me. It's on me because I don't care about money. I mean, seriously. My, my philosophy as a pastor of the church is that when God is exalted in his church, the pastor nor nobody else has to come up and beg for money, conjole, could, you know, all that kind of messy stuff that churches get involved with, because God's grace will operate in people's hearts. And they will give to God's work because God moves in their hearts to do it, not because some pastor or anybody else says something, okay? So that's why we have an offering box back there. That's between you and God. You want to give, you give. But you will never hear me as the pastor talk about that unless we come to a passage of Scripture that talks about giving. Then, obviously, I'll talk about it. Offering box goes back to Jesus' day. And that's where he spoke the words, I am the light of the world. It was near the offering box while he was teaching in the temple courts. Where was the offering boxes at? They were in what was called in the temple the court of women. Why were they contained there? Because it was the place within the temple where there were no restrictions. It would have been the place where there would have been the most people, okay? They had 13, approximately 13 offering boxes or receptacles for people to put their offerings in at the temple in this area. And both men and women and children could be in this area. So this was spoken at the place where there would have been the biggest crowd and the most people. That's significant. That tells us God wants us to hear these words, and he wants the most people to hear these words because they obviously are significant. Which now brings me to this next point. Go up to chapter 7 and verse 37. When did Jesus speak these words? I am the light of the world. On the last day of the feast, the greatest day. 
What feast? It was the Feast of Tabernacles. It was one of the three feasts during the Jewish calendar year that every Jew would have wanted, if at all possible, to be in Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles in and around the temple area. So there were thousands of people in Jerusalem at this time. And there would have been hundreds, if not thousands, in that court area uh, where the offering box was that Jesus spoke these words. And even earlier in the day, notice what it says. On the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, the greatest day, Jesus stood up and shouted out, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and let the one who believes in me drink. Why is Jesus saying this on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, the greatest day? Because every day of the celebration of that feast, which was a week-long celebration, one of the things that the Jews celebrated, if you will, or commemorated, was that God supernaturally provided them water while they were wandering around in the wilderness. He provided water for them out of Egypt while they wandered around for 40 years and then provided water for them into the promised land as well as when they got there. Obviously, it was even more than water. He said, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. Water. Thank you, God, for water in the desert places, in the wilderness. And so water was significant. So Jesus is seizing on that, isn't he? He's, he's taking what's there, and he's standing up, and he's shouting, I'm your water. And he's trying to grab the attention of all these thousands of people who are there. I'll come back to that in just a moment. That's why it's significant then in verse 12 of chapter 8 that he speaks out again and says, I am the light of the world. Why? because not only was the Feast of Tabernacles a commemoration for God supplying them water, it was also God supplied them with light in order to guide and direct them out of Egypt, around the desert for 40 years, and then into the Promised Land. If you recall the story, he gave, gave them a light to guide them by day, and he also gave them a light to guide them by night. And therefore, the whole week of the Tabernacle Festival was nothing but lights. There were candelabras and menorahs and lights everywhere. In fact, it is said in history books that the city of Jerusalem was like a shining diamond during that time at night, that it literally glowed with all of the lights so what's Jesus doing? He's seizing on the exact moment that this would have been in the people's minds, not only about water, but now about light. And he stands up and he shouts, I am the light of the world. couple things. Jesus, notice here, is having to seek to grab the attention of those who are in his house or around his house and who are seeking to worship him. Shouldn't be that way. It's just like today in our lives individually or in our lives corporately, 
that somehow God has to grab the attention of his people, like, look over here, don't miss me. And yet, they're in the temple, and they're missing God. In fact, later on, notice in verse 19 of chapter 8, they began asking him, who's your father? Jesus answered, you don't know me, nor do you know my father. If you knew me or could see me, you would know the Father too. Don't miss what Jesus is saying. These are people who are in his house or around his house. And what are they there for? They're there to worship him, right? And yet they're missing God. You and I have to be careful even as God's people that we don't get caught up in the trappings, if you will, of worship and this about worship and that about worship to miss the God that we're worshiping. Which can I say is why I so appreciate the heart of our worship leader, Nicole, and those who are part of our worship team, and even all of you who come to the Oasis, because you don't want it to be about all the frills and all the, the smoke machines and all the lights and all this and stuff. Why? Because worship has got to be about the person of God. Worship is about being preoccupied with his person. And so often, even in our churches and even as we're worshiping, we're caught up in the trappings of worship and we're missing the person of worship. Same thing is true of why even it just boggles my mind when I hear Christians talk about the churches that they choose to be a part of. Why do you go to that church? oh, they got a great children's program, or they got a great youth program, or this or that. And listen, I'm not saying that that's bad, but I'm saying shouldn't the ultimate reason you and I go to the church we go to is because that's where God is, and that's where I meet with God, and that's where the presence of God is palpable, and, and, and I can sense him, and I can feel him, and he's moving. That's it. The, all the other stuff, that's peripheral. That doesn't matter near as much as I'm engaging with God. And that's happened for thousands of years where people come to worship God. They come to be a part of the house of God and whatever, and they get caught up in serving. And, oh, why do you go? Well, they got this program, and they got that program. And again, I'm not saying that in and of themselves, those programs and those ministries and all that isn't good. But the bottom line is, what about meeting with God and experiencing and engaging with God? That's the most important reason why you and I should be here. Sorry, it just, it cooks, it cooks inside of me for a while, okay? But then I want you to notice this. Why is Jesus speaking these words in the place that he's speaking in, the offering box area of the temple, and during the last day, the greatest day of the Feast of Tabernacles, where they were commemorating his supernatural provision of water and his supernatural provision of light, because God's word comes to us at just the right time in just the right way for just the right purpose, just like it does in our life. I love these verses out of the book of Proverbs. A word at the right time, how good it is. Proverbs 15, verse 23. 
Or this one, Proverbs 25, 11, like apples of gold and settings of silver, so is a word skillfully spoken. No one ever spoke more skillfully than Jesus. He capitalized on the time and, and exactly where he was and what was going on. And God does the same thing in our life today. Maybe it's a worship song that we hear on the radio. Maybe it's a friend that just shares a verse of Scripture with us. Maybe we're in the house of God and God just brings a verse or a passage or something in mind. But there's always those moments where God speaks into our life at just the right time, in just the right way, for just the right occasion. God is, no one is more skillful to do that than God is. And even right now, God may be just zeroing in, just fine-tuning a specific message for each of us here today from the worship that we've already experienced of him and from our time in the Word. So let's go on to what we're mainly here for this morning. Look at John chapter 8, verse 12. You've seen the context pretty much of this verse. Then Jesus spoke out again, I am the light of the world. The one who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is saying, I am the active power that can dispel darkness. I am your source of illumination that reveals and imparts life. And the light of life that he's talking about here again in verse 12 is again that abundant life, the highest quality of life that you and I as human beings could possibly have here on earth until we go to heaven. And Jesus is saying, I'm that light. Don't, don't. You can't find that kind of light in anything else or anyone else other than me. I'm it. Remember, he's the light of the world. He's standing there in the midst of probably thousands upon thousands of menorahs and candelabras and, and lights in the city of Jerusalem. It's all lit up, and yet Jesus is saying, I'm a bazillion times more light than all these lights. But see, they were captivated by their lights. And they were captivated by all these other things, and yet the light of the world was standing right in front of them, and he, they didn't know him. And the same thing is true today. Because the Bible says we walk in darkness as human beings. In fact, that's one of the things that we have to come to grips with with the statement that Jesus is making here. When he says, I am the light of the world, he's not saying, I'm the light of your life. He's not even saying, I'm the light of the church. He's saying, I'm the light of the world. Why? Because the world, the Bible says, lies in darkness. And we have to acknowledge that as human beings, that we live in darkness, and that apart from Jesus Christ, we have no light to be able to see, comprehend, and grasp God or spiritual things or anything apart from Jesus. We are blind without Jesus. 
into the spiritual world. We are blind without Jesus into the supernatural. Only Jesus can provide the light to be able to truly live life to the highest degree and to be able to see beyond what human beings could see apart from him because it's very limited. We talked about that Wednesday night in our study of Daniel, the powerlessness of human wisdom. Human wisdom can only go so far, but God's wisdom and God's light can give you and I insight and discernment and perception into things much deeper and further than we could ever have on our own when God begins to illuminate and light up our life. And that's what Jesus is claiming. But again, that means you and I have to humble ourselves and go, you know what? Apart from Jesus Christ, I'm in the dark. I need his light in order to live which is why Jesus makes this very important statement surrounding his declaration that he is the light of the world. Notice he says there's a qualification here. The one who follows me will never walk in darkness. And notice, that's a pretty powerful statement. He doesn't say the one who follows me will sometimes not walk in darkness or every once in a while will not walk in darkness. No, no. He says, All you have to do is follow me, and you'll never be back in the dark. Now, here's the deal. You and I do not get the light until we start to follow. Did you get that? See, here's our problem as Christians many times. We say, God, you light up that way. I'll see if I like it. If I like that way, then I'll follow. No, 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 Jesus said. No. Jesus says, you start following, and I'll start lighting your way. And can I say that's why even many Christians are still in the dark? Because they're not consistently following Jesus. See, this word follow means to continually follow him. And here's how you and I know we're continually following him. There's some results. I'm going to give you three out of this passage, not that it's exhaustive by any stretch of the imagination, but there's three right here. Clarity, confidence, and courage come from following the light of the world. Clarity. Notice what Jesus says to the answer of their objections to the Pharisees in verse 13. He says in chapter 8, verse 14, even if I testify about myself, my testimony is true because I know where I came from and where I am going, but you people do not know where I came from or where I'm going. You have no clarity. You have no comprehension or understanding about me or anything else as far as God is concerned or spiritual things. Why? Because you've never chosen to follow me. You, as religious leaders of Israel, who should be leading others to me, feel threatened by me because of your insecurity that we talked about in week one, and because of your insecurity and feeling threatened by me, you're trying to get rid of me rather than point people to me. And as long as you do that, you will have no clarity in your life at all. See, clarity 
I know where I came from and I know where I'm going comes from walking in the light of God. And God wants his people to have clarity. That's why he wants to say, I'm your light. Live in my light. Stay in my light. Follow me wherever the light goes. And if the light goes here and stays for a while, then just stay in the light. Don't move out of his light until he moves. And then when, oh, you moved over there? Okay, I'll step over here. And by the way, it's only usually one step at a time because that's the way God works. God isn't saying, now jump way over here. No, God is just saying, follow me. If I take a step here, then you take a step with me and just stay in my light. If I stay here for a while, then you stay. You don't move because if you move out of my light, then you're back in darkness and you will have no clarity. God wants his people to have clarity. He wants us to know what is his will for my life. What, is, what does he want me to do in this season, this day, this month, this year? He wants us to know where we came from and where we're going. But the only way you and I have that clarity and then that confidence that comes from clarity is by following him every day. See, Jesus uses the word, I know where I came from. That's confident. You and I can't, you know... Today, many, well, I think, or I guess, or I'm speculating, and I hope, and all that. No, no, no. When you and I live in the light of God, we will have confidence. Why? Because his light lights up our way and all that surrounds us, and we begin to have, again, a greater apprehension, comprehension, awareness, and understanding of what's going on around us, what's going on in the world, what's beneath the surface, what's going on in my life, where God wants me, all of that, all of that begins to come, become clearer and clearer as we live in his light every day. And that clarity and that confidence leads to courage. Listen to these verses out of the book of Psalms. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Psalm 27, verse 1. No fear when God is your light. When you and I are living in the light of God, then we know God's right there with us. If God's for us, who can be against us? But see, when, when you and I are not following him and, and, and the darkness starts to overtake us, that's when we get afraid. And that's where we are in this world right now because this world is covered in darkness. And unless, even as a Christian, I stay continually in that light, when I begin to cozy up and get into that darkness a little bit, guess what? I start to get afraid again. I start to lack clarity again. I start to lack confidence in my Christian walk again because I've gotten too much into the darkness and i got to come back to the light. And what Jesus is saying here in John 8, 12 is not only that he is the light through the darkness, but he's also declaring, I am the light out of the darkness that all you and I have to do is by faith take him by the hand and he will lead us out of whatever darkness we find ourselves in right now. 
Maybe right now, whether you're watching over live stream or you're here this morning and you're dealing with the darkness of despair and discouragement and depression, Jesus Christ, the light of the world, can lead you out of that darkness and lead you into his light of life. Maybe you're struggling with insecurity and self-doubt. Jesus Christ, the light of the world, can lead you out of that darkness and into the light of his life. Maybe you're dealing with fear and worry and anxiety over so many things. As Jesus said to Martha, 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 you are troubled about many things. Let the light of the world lead you out of that darkness and lead you into the light of his life. See, only Jesus is the light of the world. And by saying that, he was saying, my light is so great, so powerful, so strong, that if every human being who would have ever lived in this world would have wanted my light instead of rejecting my light, I could have lit up their life. In fact, the Bible makes an amazing statement. It says one day God is literally going to do away with the heavenly celestial bodies of light, the sun, the moon, the stars, and all that, and that the light of eternity will be the glory of Jesus Christ himself. That Jesus Christ will literally light up the universe. Now, you and I, we're impressed by even the sun. I mean, we're like, we, you know, you and I as humans, we're not even taught to, like, look at the sun directly because it'll hurt our eyes and stuff like that. And, and when it's out real bright, especially in a place like Phoenix, Arizona, it gets pretty hot, right, during the summertime. Listen, the glory of Jesus Christ makes the sun's light look like darkness. And the great thing is, God's going to give you and I who believe in him glorified bodies so that we can be able to stand in his light and live in his light of glory and not be bothered by it. I can't wait for that day. <laughs> the light of the world is Jesus. And Jesus Christ today is saying to you and I, I'm your way through this darkness. Trust me, take me by the hand, follow me, and you'll never walk in the darkness. You may be in a dark world, but your light and your life will be always constant. And if you now find yourself in a dark place, especially because of the events of this past year and now going into 2021, take Jesus by the hand this morning and let him lead you out of that darkness into the light of his life. I want to ask you right now, would you mind bowing your head, closing your eyes? Only ones moving are those on the worship team. I want to ask a couple questions this morning as we prepare to wrap things up. With no one looking around and heads bowed and eyes closed, is there anyone here this morning that would say, Pastor Jeff, the Holy Spirit's been working on me for maybe even a while, and especially today, and I must say, I, 
I'm not sure there's ever been a time in my life where I truly trusted in Jesus Christ as my Savior, where I allowed Jesus to take me out of the realm of darkness and bring him into this marvelous kingdom of light. I, I don't think I've ever embraced Jesus Christ in that way and trusted him as my personal Savior, but I want you to pray for me. I know I need Jesus Christ in my life as my Savior. If there's anyone at all, no one else looking around, would you just raise your hand and put it just up and down? Thank you, thank you. I'm going to be praying for you. I want you to know that. Because I want you to have that assurance that the Bible says we can have. God says these things were written in the Bible so that you can know that you have eternal life. Not that you might hope so or guess so, but you know so. You've got that confidence because you knew that there was a time where you asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior. And the light of the world came flooding into your life and he lit up your life like nothing else or no one else can. And all you have to do today during our time of worship is say, Jesus Christ, I acknowledge that I am in darkness and I am in sin and Lord, I, I need you to save me. I need you to be the light of my life. And he will come in because his word is true. And he will save you. And he will forgive you of your sin. And you will become his child from this moment on all throughout eternity to come. How about others here today? Are there any here today who are saying, Pastor Jeff, I'm struggling through this darkness of the world. Or maybe I've gotten myself in a dark place and I need you to pray for me that I will have the faith to follow Jesus out of my darkness or through the darkness and come into his light. If there's any like that this morning, would you just raise your hand and put it back down? Thank you, thank you. Anyone else? Thank you, thank you, thank you. I appreciate your honesty. Yes, thank you, thank you. So we pray here today that as we come to this time where we're going to pray about him being our way maker, the one that can bring us through darkness and bring us out of darkness and be the light of our life, God, that we would just embrace you by faith, trust you like never before, and allow you, God, to light up our life because you are the light of the world. Will you stand with me? Let's make this song a declaration of everything that we are. Our hearts, our minds, our soul. As, as Nicole even said, you know, we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. May this declaration of our worship to God just be everything that we've got this morning. Let's let him light up this place this morning. Amen? Let's worship him this morning.